Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. We help business leaders attract and retain top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al, it's podcast Friday. Uh, how did your week go? It was a busy week and it's a busy time of year. Things are, you know, kind of getting wrapped up at the end of the year and we're getting ready for Christmas and it sounds like the snow is starting to fall this weekend. So make it look a lot more like Christmas. Yeah, exactly. I saw some pictures down in the distillery district and they've got their Christmas market going in this massive tree. So, you know, it's, it is beginning to feel mm-hmm. a lot like Christmas and certainly the snow will help. Well, I think we have a first on the Success Leaves Lose podcast today, and uh, someone is celebrating a very special birthday. So joining us today is Joshua Siegel, who's the VP Organizational Effectiveness at Wave HQ. Josh, welcome to the show and happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, what a beautiful birthday present to get to spend my birthday with you fine human beings. This is a blast. It's not just any birthday. It's kind of a special one. I'm getting old is the answer. So uh, so welcome to the wonderful world of 40. Here we go. So if you hear some groaning or moaning, it's just the aches and pains that I will now experience for the rest of my life. Don't worry. We'll give you a virtual prod in case you fall asleep, Josh. <laughs> well, so glad to have you here. We had such a great conversation the first time we connected and uh, just really wanted to have a conversation here on the podcast because I think uh, you've got a really interesting background and you're doing a lot of really cool stuff in your space. Now, I just introduced you as a VP, but I noticed on your LinkedIn profile, I see that you have people and culture leader on there. So how do you see yourself in the space? I view myself as an enabler of others. So my job is to help other individuals reach their full potential. And from my perspective, that's how you make a great organization. You bring in wonderful humans with a ton of aptitude, a ton of runway, and then you provide them with the environment so that they can do really, really meaningful work, can grow, and can become the literal superheroes that they're destined to be. Superheroes. I, I love that. I want superheroes on our team. And, and we do have some, So, but we'll talk more about that. But I wanted to start at the beginning because... Unless I sit here and assume that you grew up, always wanted to be in the people space, which probably isn't the case as as a young child. How did you find your way into this career and and maybe just start at the beginning, how you got here? Now that I'm 40, it could take a very, very long time. So I don't know how much time we have for this podcast, but I will definitively tell you it's been a very non-traditional route into the world of people and culture. I've always had a deep love for the world of business. So I come from an entrepreneurial family. My father, my uncle, my grandfather started a small fruit market together. That's what literally put food on my plate, roof over my head as a child. And we would discuss business at the dinner table when we'd go for walks. That was what I was raised on. Studied business in my undergrad. And coming out of that, I went the very obvious route that all business students go. I went to the not-for-profit world and spent a whole bunch of time 
working with children in a local community center, building after school programs, summer programs, really truly fell in love with it. And that was probably my first taste of leadership development. Building the counselors and the program facilitators that are being entrusted with literally this world's most precious resource, children and the, the next generation, and also helping to lead and guide the kids in that environment. So developed a deep love for team leading, leadership development there. Still didn't take the most obvious route into people and culture after that. Went off, did my MBA, deepened my understanding of the world of business, and then made another very obvious pivot from the world of working with children to the world of beer and started working for Labatt Breweries, predominantly on the trade marketing side, where marketing meets sales, meets operations. Spent a few years there working on some really cool brands, really cool campaigns, really kind of cutting my teeth in a world-class organization. From there, stayed in the world of trade marketing, moved over to the Weather Network, so another well-respected Canadian brand. At this point, I've got beer and weather on my resume, so I'm quintessentially building the ultimate Canadian career. Just need to get into the NHL and then we can call the Canadian hat trick complete. Spent uh, a few years there building out the trade marketing functions, supporting the sales team, go-to-market efforts on those regards. But again, just fell deeply in love with the team building aspect of it. Really built a high-performing team of motivated, caring individuals that wanted to do incredible work. Matched my work at the Weather Network with some teaching that I was doing on the side, predominantly around marketing and organizational behavior. And it was through the world of post-secondary education and teaching that I got exposure into really professional leadership development, organizational effectiveness in that entire world. And it led to a, a complete career pivot for me, moving into the world of people and culture and thinking about how do you support growing and scaling organizations through their most valuable resource, their people. Josh, can you maybe expand a little bit? Because you talked about early on in your career and our most precious resource of children, obviously, and working with them. But fast forward to your subsequent careers or subsequent jobs where you're working with, let's say, young adults or people entering the workforce. What are some of the things that you do? Because I'm curious about that next generation coming into the workforce. How do you create those leaders of the future? Maybe you could share some of the things that you're doing that you've seen really work well. A hundred percent. And not to be reductive and say that young adults and kids are exactly the same, but I think there are some pervasive themes that every single human being, regardless of your age, care about. They want to be heard. They want to know that their opinion matters. So regardless if it's a five-year-old camper or a 25-year-old junior marketer, give them the space to talk to you about how they're feeling, what they're thinking, what's important to them, building that trust and relationship. We do a lot of EQ-related training at Wave, the place where I'm currently working, and everything starts with that foundational layer of trust. You cannot build a business, you cannot grow, you cannot scale, you cannot build teams unless you focus on developing that trust. And that's really, truly one thing that regardless of the industry that I've been in, the role that I've been in, or the function, it starts with building trust with your key stakeholders helping them understand the concept of trust so they can build it and scale it throughout the organization. And I truly believe there's nothing more important in building an effective culture than having that at the foundation. Based on everything you've said so far, especially when you're talking about working with young kids, I'm eager to hear the answer to our final question, but we'll get there. It's 
obvious and really evident that your energy is shining through, like even just in this podcast. So I love that. And I want to talk to you about just what is it that you're most curious about in your particular line of work and why? It's going to be no surprise, but it really comes down to broadly people, but understanding what motivates, how do you inspire? And we just had a really interesting conversation with a group of relatively new managers here at Wave. And we were talking about the difference between engagement and inspiration, where engaging is not that hard. If I give you work that you're generally interested in, or I'm a good person you care about, you'll engage. But that next level, inspiration, getting that discretionary energy, motivation, and getting people to drive that for what you and your business need, well, that's the game changer. And that's how you build an exciting, scaling, growing culture. So what I'm curious about is understanding humans and the triggers that help them move from disengagement to engagement to inspiration. You've said a couple of things so far. You've talked about inspiration and you talked about trust. Any key little tidbits that you can share that you think can help generate either of those? I would say for both of them, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I think far too often we think of this concept of trust as a light switch. It's binary, either trust you or I don't trust you. And it couldn't be further from the truth. It's actually an unbelievably nuanced concept that's made up of a multitude of things, including your character, your competency. So both who you are and what you do and what you deliver. And you innately can't start a relationship with somebody and have a deep level of trust. They need to spend the time with you, both understanding your intent, your integrity, the stuff that makes you you and your capability. Do I trust you in this environment to help me whatever type of work I'm doing and building that over time? And I think the same holds true with inspiration where, yeah, I can jump on stage and I can give you a great talk and maybe you're fired up coming out of that, but that won't last unless there's something deeper and an ongoing connection to purpose and people and and content. So I think you got to play the long game in both of them would be the best advice that I can give. I read an analogy about trust and it, the analogy was a marble jar. In order to build trust up over time, it's like you're adding you know, a marble one at a time and it takes time to fill up that jar. But unfortunately, sometimes it's pretty easy to spill the jar and have all the marbles come out and you got to start over. So yeah, I just I like I thought of that. Yeah, I thought of that when you're talking about building it up over time. I, I thought of that analogy. That's a good one, Al. It is so easy to spill that jar, right? And then you've got to rebuild from it. It makes so much sense. Josh, you just hit a milestone birthday. And you know the saying, hindsight is twenty twenty. Is there anything you, you know now that you wish you knew back then when you first started out? That's a long laundry list. Everybody that knows 20-something-year-old Josh is probably raising their hand right now. I'll give you 50 different things. But for me, if I had to only pick one, I would say Josh at 40 has a much better understanding of all of the things that I don't know than Josh at 20. I thought I was a hell of a lot smarter than I actually am back then. Now I appreciate that I'm not that smart and there is so much stuff that I don't know. And I can live in that world of not knowing and uncertainty and not having to have an answer to everything. Younger Josh couldn't do that. And it certainly caused a whole bunch of challenges in earlier parts of my career. I was chatting with Al on a drive. We were on a drive this uh, week to go uh, see a client. And I was saying to him in my younger days, so younger Robin, same as you, Josh, just thought I knew everything, thought I had it all figured out. And having conversations with my dad must have been so frustrating for him. 
And then I remember years later as an adult saying, hey, remember when you tried to stop me from doing that or you suggest that I do something else instead? And yeah, you were 100% right. But at the time, you just thought you had everything figured out. And and I loved what you said about 40-year-old Josh. You realize what you don't know. There is still stuff you don't know and you're figuring out, but at least you've realized that. It's not like you're pretending when you're 20 thinking, yeah, I got it all figured out. Wait till you get to our age. And then you'll really, <laughs> really understand how much you don't know. <laughs> well, part of part of the thing that I, I appreciate so much about it is it ties back into the martial philosophies for me. So I, I love karate and boxing, and I spent a whole bunch of time training Shotokan karate. And in that particular discipline, there's 10 dans. So once you hit black belt, it's not the end of the journey. You start kind of leveling up your black belt, first dan, second dan, third dan. And my favorite concept is when you are living, you can never achieve... 10th dan because that would mean you know everything and you learned everything and that's the antithesis of the world of karate so it's only a honorary designation given posthumously to true experts in the field but while you're living you are always learning and there's always more to dig into I want to talk about that a little bit more because I wasn't expecting to talk about martial arts but now that you've brought it up because I'm a lifelong martial artist myself from Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I know, or at least I think I know what it's done for me in, in both my personal life and in business. Is there anything in training karate that has you know helped you along the way in your journey? Listen, first and foremost, you can never have a half an hour conversation with me and not talk about martial arts and or Marvel superheroes. So it's par for the course. Those topics will come up in, in some capacity. From a learning perspective around the martial arts, that's literally a multi-day conversation that we could have, Robin. I tell anyone that will listen, I've learned more in the dojo than I've learned in any other classroom in my life around discipline, respect, doing hard things, supporting each other, helping those around you grow, not being the smartest person in the room. What I've loved from a martial arts perspective is if you ever look around the dojo and you're like, I'm the best martial artist in this dojo, you are in the wrong dojo. Get out and go somewhere else. And then lastly, GSP, I think George St. Pierre, he said it best, always have a, a white belt learning mindset that no matter who you're training with or what the lesson is, even if you feel you're far beyond this particular lesson, what can you learn from it? What is the takeaway that will make you better after this engagement? And I just think it's a beautiful way to approach both the martial arts and life. Couldn't have said it better myself. I love that. We're getting closer to, you know, my favorite part of the episode. But before we get there and Al releases his signature question, maybe talk about, because I know we asked this question and it's interesting always to hear the answer, but what's been your most satisfying moment in business? Wow. That's a hard question to unpack, especially as you get older and there's more and more moments. I don't know if I can pick one specific instance, but I can certainly pick a theme. And it's when I look back in the various organizations that I've been part of and the various leadership roles that I've had, and it's the growth of the people. Seeing them go off and the accomplishments that they go and make and knowing that a small part of my interaction with them helped fuel that to me, that's way more impactful than anything I could do with my own two hands. I love watching the successes of the people that I've worked with in the past. It's both inspiring and it energizes me to keep going out and doing what I do on a daily basis. 
It reminds me of that meme that I've seen and other people have put it on LinkedIn, but it, it goes, um, call me crazy, but I love to see when other people win. That sounds yeah. what it's like. It's you're saying to us here. Totally. It, it feels good. Like we love to celebrate. So let's celebrate good things together. I don't know if you saw it, Josh, but I, I put uh, on my LinkedIn, one of my favorite things is to be a connector. Yeah. Nothing makes me happier than connecting two really good people together. And there's nothing in it for me. There's absolutely nothing in it for me from a financial perspective, or it's just really selfishly, it makes me feel great. I love doing that type of thing. So I can relate. We've reached that part of the episode, my favorite part, Al's signature question, and it has become a signature part of the episodes that we do. And all the answers are all very different. So I'm curious to hear yours. I'm curious as well, because, you know, you've already laid the groundwork a little bit because you've touched on a couple of things just in that last answer and right at the beginning when you were talking about your work with children and that. So I am interested to see how you're going to answer this. So the question is this, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? What a beautiful question and framed so nicely as I pause and I digest the beauty of it. At Wave HQ on employees' first days, we go through an onboarding process together, obviously getting them acclimatized. And during a session with me, we always play a round of a game called Ask Deep Questions. A wonderful deck of cards that tries to get to the heart of who these people are. It's not about what your favorite breakfast is or what color you like or the last movie. It's, I want to know you. And one of my favorite questions from that deck of cards is, how do you want to be remembered? And I think about that question a lot. And my answer always comes back to something very simple, maybe too simple, but I think it answers your question now. And so when I think about how I want Josh Siegel to be remembered when I've gone another 50 or 60 years and, and I'm no longer here to be able to make an impact, I want the people that I interacted with throughout my life just to feel they are better off because of those interactions. And that might mean very different things to different people. For some, it may be fully professional. For others, it may be personal. For others, it might be a hybrid. But if they can walk away feeling that, then I feel like I've been successful in my journey here and the, the seeds that I'm planting. That definitely resonates. And I appreciate your honesty. And I am curious about, and I'm going to ask you about later now, is I'm curious about some of those questions that you have in your deck because I would love it if you would share some of those with me. <laughs> we can talk about that later. Josh, your answer resonates with me too, because as you may know or may not know, my dad was in the industry for 35 years, which is why I'm here. And when dad passed away, I shared it on LinkedIn because he had so many clients that were on LinkedIn and just wanted to make sure everybody was aware. And it was overwhelming for me and the family because I shared them with my mom and my sister, the amount of great things people said about my dad. So you're, you're talking about how you want to be remembered. And there was such a common theme of your dad made us feel a certain way. And again, when I think about this question for myself and the legacy that my dad left behind, that's what I'm trying to live up to. And I want eventually, I hope it's a long time away, but I hope I can make people feel a certain way as well, because that was so nice for us to get that, you know, back and share that with the family that, that he really did leave a legacy and, and he made an impact on people's lives. So I really appreciate your answer. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Robin. That was beautiful. 
Well, this has been so much fun. Josh, we'll have to do this again. So thank you for joining us today and sharing your story. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Wave HQ? Well, listen, I'll, I'll give a few options. So one, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I love connecting and meeting with people who think well in this space. So send over that connection request. I promise to accept it. If you want to learn more about Wave and the awesome work that we're doing there to support small business, it's waveapps.com. And you can learn more about how uh, the free tool can help you drive your small business. And lastly, I'll throw out a martial arts related plug. I am currently in the process of training for the fight to end cancer. So we're supporting the Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation. And I'm putting this ugly 40 year old mug of mine on the line to go raise money and awareness so we can end cancer in our lifetime. And you can learn more about that at fighttoendcancer.com. I love that. That's awesome. Well, that does it for today's episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. As always, I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And remember, success leaves clues, my friends. Mm -hmm.